Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. In case you missed it yesterday, I was joined by Matt George, the host of Locked On Kings to debate De'Aaron Fox versus Jalen Brunson. Today, we continue the verbal sparring. It's Julius Randle versus DeMontis Sabonis, the weirdest, greatest power forward rivalry in the NBA. And then we get into Knicks versus Kings. Which franchise has the better future? All that right now, Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Tucks left. Now fires it. And he's good. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because that would, by definition, make you an everydayer and therefore one of my best friends. If you want to join the cult, you can do so by subscribing on YouTube and hitting that notifications bell so you never miss an episode and be sure to do the same on the audio side. And then if you want to continue the conversation even further, you can do so by subscribing to our subtext as a new service we're offering here at Locked On, where you get to text us and talk as much Knicks as you want every single month. All you have to do is hit the link in the episode description and or text the number on the screen. And uh, yeah, we will be able to talk Knicks and we will be sending you um, our thoughts after trades, um, our latest updates on rumors and so, so much more. Um, and, uh, you can, you can text us about non-Knicks things too, whatever you want to talk about. It's all good. Um, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And, uh, once again, we are about to get into it with Matt George of Lockdown King. So without further ado, let's debate Julius Randle versus DeMontis Sabonis. All right. It's finally time. This should be maybe not from our perspective, but if either guy listens to it, this will be perceived as the heated Part of the argument, Julius Randle against DeMontis Sabonis. Julius in the regular season, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists per game. Uh, Sabonis, 19 points, 12 boards, incredible numbers, 7 assists per game. And DeMontis Sabonis had an effective field goal percentage that was a full 9 points higher than Julius Randle's. Again, with that same context applied that um, him playing, and, and especially like even compared to Fox versus Brunson, not just the shooting around them, but the fact that Sabonis got to play center while Julius Randle, again, was stuck with Mitchell Robinson, ensuring that there were constantly two defenders around the rim. That is a big difference between the two, but that number really stood out to me. And I, I got to imagine, um, on, on top of just how central each guy was respectively to their teams, Matt, that's going to be a big part of your case for Sabonis. Yeah, actually, before we get into that, Gavin, I was not aware of the fr- or the, the dislike between Sabonis mm. and Julius Randle. So for the, the Locked On Kings audience, because I've never heard this or, or heard this brought up, like what was it about Sabonis' time in Indiana and Randle's time in New York that that created this kind of vitriol between the two of them? I think that's the great part of it is that I legitimately have no idea. But you could <laughs> you could see it every single time they played. I think I think it was that Sabonis is is, as you know, like very, very chippy. And Julius is 
easily perturbed maybe would be the best way like a very very quick trigger on getting frustrated getting annoyed and like and this season look like he like it was a big emphasis from he talked about how he was doing breathing exercises doing meditation it, it, was, it was staying calm during games but if there's one player like julius could spend all off season at a tibetan monastery and demontis Sabonis would still be able to get his blood pressure going a little bit those two guys just Absolutely. I, I think it was maybe that they were kind of competing to be like the third best power forward in the NBA. Both wanted to move up a couple rungs in the league. but They do not like each other. I'm sure each one thinks they're a lot better. There's just mutual disrespect there. Well, I guarantee you Julius Randle has never stomped on DeMontis Sabonis' chest. So maybe Sabonis' yeah. sights have turned to... Moving uh, up. He has his NBA friendship rankings and Julius <laughs> is like one spot higher. Yeah, yeah there you go. And Draymond Green is is now yeah. uh, in that <laughs> spot. But I know Sabonis on the court versus Sabonis off the court are two completely different people. Um, but that fire on the court with Sabonis, the Sacramento Kings need for one and, and two, um, I think just makes him a better player. But having this conversation like compared to Fox and Brunson, where again, I, I think the majority of people would, would take Fox without hesitation. I don't see, I, I truly don't understand a world where anybody thinks Julius Randall is a better player than DeMontis Sabonis is. And I mean, the, the numbers back that up, the way they're used backs that up. Now I will say this, if Julius Randall played every single game in his career, either against the Sacramento Kings or inside the Golden One Center, he'd be the greatest basketball player of all time. Because I don't know what it is about the Golden One Center and playing in Sacramento, but Julius Randall torches the Kings here. And this was pre-Sabonis. <laughs> he just, he torches the Sacramento Kings. He's put up unbelievable numbers in Sacramento. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, I know Randall has his issues and has had his problems in the past, uh, but he was a player that when there were questions about if he'd be what his future was like in New York and if he'd be available or not. I was debating with, with some Kings fans that Randall would not be a bad option for the Kings to go out and get. Ultimately they made the better move uh, in, in finding Sabonis and not giving up Fox and, and the rest is history. But I mean, DeMontis Sabonis, you look at the season that he had last season. I mean, the only player that compares to what he did granted this player is better than him and did better than him is the guy who should have been, the three straight time MVP and the guy who just won an NBA championship and Nikola Jokic. I mean, Sabonis dominated the league in double doubles. It was not close. He was second in the league in triple doubles also wasn't really close. Cause again, Jokic is unbelievable, but kind of like I was talking about earlier, DeMontis Sabonis is so essential to what the Sacramento Kings do and makes his teammates so much better at times. I think one of the areas where Randall might have a, a, a slight edge is that you could maybe count on Randall a little bit more to go and get you a bucket. And with Sabonis, at times you're just like, attack! <laughs> like, you're you're massive, you're strong, go! Uh, and, and Sabonis is always looking to kind of get his, uh, his teammates involved. Now, recency bias is a real thing, and I know a lot of people are going to think about how Sabonis was taken out of that, that playoff series against the Golden State Warriors a bit. I think the Warriors are one of a few teams that can effectively do that. I was dead wrong about the Kevon Looney-Sabonis matchup. I thought Sabonis would dominate that matchup. He still had a, a solid playoff series in terms of the numbers, but the eye test would tell you this is not how good Sabonis was during the regular season, and the Kings need more out of him. So uh, to me, Sabonis is... a. a above and beyond the better player than Julius Randle, certainly the better player for the position that the Sacramento Kings are in. And I think that's really important too, is what does the team need out of those players? Um, but Julius Randle can be fun, man. 
I, I just enjoy that Julius Randle fire sometimes. Yeah, I think I, I think that's what makes the matchup so entertaining, at least to me. Um, I, I think, again, a lot of it is context-based. I would be really fascinated to see what Julius Randle would do playing center in the Kings offense. I, I think the, the offensive numbers would be pretty similarly historic, and the defensive numbers might even be a little bit worse because Julius, like, even though I know Sabonis is not much of a rim protector, Julius in some ways maybe even less equipped to play that role, like, um, like not super long arms, not necessarily the quickest leaper on defense, though he can do that in spurts. Um, but but where I, I'm wondering, again, if you, if, you, if you just flip-flop them, what would be really fascinating is Randall's, the fact that he gets up so many threes, takes eight of them per game. Sabonis obviously is, is, is good on them, but only shoots one per game. Um, Sabonis was only slightly more efficient at the rim, um, granted on much higher volume. But again, I think in a different context, that could be Julius Randle. Like, like the single biggest thing damning his efficiency, again, is the presence of Mitchell Robinson. And, and in past years, I think Julius almost welcomed that and was pretty content to live on a diet of pretty hotly contested mid-range shots. This year, he was in the best shape of his career. He had the most dunks of his career. He was really explosive. I mean, the iconic play of his season maybe was just torching Jason Tatum off the dribble, getting to the rim, jamming at home. And the real shame for Julius is, is obviously he didn't get to have a healthy postseason. And I wonder, like, if I were going to make this argument, it would have been, well, Julius translated his regular season to production. And Sabonis didn't. And to me, like, it's kind of similar to Brunson versus Fox, where I agree with you, regular season, like, I think Sabonis was probably the better player in the postseason. I think Julius's game could have translated better because of that ability as a three-level score, because of the load he's asked to carry as a score, where it gets maybe under-discussed amongst Knicks fans because there's still kind of just mixed feelings out there about Julius. But at points, like especially when Jalen Brunson got hurt, he had to carry a Knicks team that was still doing pretty well, and he put up like monster numbers, stretches of a bunch of thirty-point games in a row, games where he would hit seven, eight, nine threes in a single night. And he's able to do that, to your point, in a way, like if De'Aaron Fox went out, I just don't think DeMontis Sabonis could swing the same thing. Granted, maybe as a playmaker, he's doing similar stuff, and he's propping up someone like Kevin Herter to put up big stats. Rebounding-wise, they're very, very similar. Julius actually had better rate numbers in terms of offensive rebounding rate. Defensive rebounding rate, Sabonis obviously played at a faster rate, so the numbers are slightly better. Um, again, mixed feelings on Julius Randle, so... I'm okay with the argument that Sabonis is the better player. Maybe I'm not supposed to say that as the Knicks host at the end of the day. I, I guess my one question would be kind of going forward. Do you think those postseason concerns about Sabonis are, are fixable? Or is that something, again, against the wrong team that's always going to come up? All right, guys, when we come back, Matt will continue making his case why Sabonis is a bit more essential to his team. And I wonder a little bit about how context affects the two sides. Like Sacramento has a much more favorable ecosystem for Sabonis than the Knicks do for Randall. What would, what would, what would happen if you swapped him? I, I wonder. Um, but if you want to bet on something a little bit more tangible, there's one place to go and do it. Because football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the best chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets Every time they win in the regular season, just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Uh, yesterday on this podcast, I made the argument that if you want to take advantage of those Super Bowl bonus bets, you should throw a little bit of cash down on the Giants. But... It pains me to do so. In fact, I'm probably going to throw up in my mouth a little bit, but I got to represent Alex's point of view um, when he's not on the pod. So the New York Jets, also a viable option. Aaron Rodgers, I think Garrett Wilson emerges as a top 10 wide receiver 
in football, the defense is going to be absolutely salty once again. I, I think Rodgers is going to be a little bit in FU mode, trying to prove everyone in Green Bay wrong, trying to prove he could do it in a new ecosystem on a new team. And, you know, just, just karmically, something is kind of due to happen good for Jets fans, right? It, it's, it's kind of the same how I felt about the Knicks. Like, at some point, law of averages, it's going to turn around. Maybe this is your year, Jets fans. I will find out down the road. If you want to find out on Locked On, listen to Locked On Jets, Locked On Giants. But for now, let's get back into it with Matt. I think it's absolutely fixable. Now, if if there was like a NBA metaverse type thing going on where the Kings and and, and uh, Knicks were playing the same team and they were down one with 10 seconds left and you needed either a bucket from Sabonis or a bucket from Julius Randle, I think a lot of people would choose Julius Randle in that spot just because in terms of go get me a bucket, Randall is more of that guy, but for the other 47 minutes and 50, whatever seconds it is, 53 seconds, uh, that's where Sabonis is. I think in in an elite class of his own, just because of how important and impactful he is across the board. Like you, in terms of like fixable, if DeMontis Sabonis takes and hits his mid-range elbow jumpers with confidence in that Golden State Warriors series, it completely takes away what the Warriors were doing. The Warriors were daring Sabonis to shoot. Kevon Looney was sagging off of him and just standing around the rim and standing just outside the paint so he wouldn't get a three-second violation and just saying, Sabonis, shoot that mid-range jumper. The Kings have given Sabonis the green light on that, and clearly DeMontis just didn't look confident in that shot. He'd rather run his DHO game that the Kings made elite this past season um, so if, if Sabonis finds a way to knock down that shot and it's, I mean, it's a mid range elbow jumper is not a difficult shot, especially if they're leaving you that wide open. I think it solves a lot of those problems right then and there, but I want to go back to something that you said earlier. Like I, I disagree wholeheartedly that if you were to take Julius Randall and put him on the Sacramento Kings, that the Kings might still have the exact same offensive uh, like historic offense. I yeah. disagree almost com- like completely like because of how much everybody on the floor benefits from playing through Sabonis and how the Sacramento Kings truly play through Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis opens up Kevin Herter's game. Sabonis opens up Keegan Murray's game. I would argue that despite the fact that Fox and Sabonis are an excellent pairing, Sabonis does more for most of the other players on the roster than he does for De'Aaron simply because De'Aaron can do it himself, right? But Keegan Murray's success, at times Harrison Barnes' success, like sometimes Malik Monk's success, like Sabonis is essential to what the the Kings do as a team, that DHO game that they played, the high pick and roll, a uh, high pick and pop game that they played to put together an offense that was the greatest in NBA history in terms of offensive rating. They averaged 120 points per game, had an offensive rating of 119. The Kings don't get anywhere close to that without DeMontis Sabonis. And if Julius Randle were in Sacramento, I think that would offensively kind of be fun at times. You'd see truly a five out offense where it's like everybody get away, get outside of the paint and whoever wants to attack attacks. Nobody would be in Julius Randall's way in that case. Uh, but defensively, I think that would be a colossal nightmare <laughs> that the Sacramento yeah. Kings would have. And, and Simonis is not a great defender by any means. He's the defensive anchor for this team and the Kings would like to have more rim protection, but it is what it is. He's your starting center. I think the Kings can overcome that just because of how good their offense is. But I don't think the Sacramento Kings would be nearly the same team or nearly as successful if it were Julius Randle here instead of Domas. 
Yeah, I think I think my only counter to that is that the Knicks were pretty incredible on offense themselves. 117 points per 100 possessions. One of the, this sounds weird to say, but one of the five best marks in the history of basketball. I think the Kings literally had the best mark in the history of basketball last year. And I think Julius, again, like where his season gets a little bit underrated is that he was the leading scorer on that team, like over, over Jalen Brunson. Like he was the guy who had to carry that load night in, night out. And he is a good passer. The issue is at times he's a slow processor. And I think that's partially on Julius, Partially is that reads are very muddied, again, when you have a rim-bound center, when you have a small forward who no one respects as a shooter. Um, and I wonder if playing in like that very open Kings offense, if some of those decisions could come a little bit quicker, and that did become a strength of Randall's last season that he – or maybe strength is overstating it, but it's, it's an area he certainly improved. But I hear you, and I, I admit you are far more the expert on how he ran it in terms of dribble handoffs. And I'm probably underrating when I'm talking about how good the King shooters are, how big of a role Sabonis had in making those guys good shooters and making great passes and, and setting them up um, to get quick releases off. Um, real quick, Matt, before we finish up, because I think the Knicks and Kings are kind of fun, almost parallel versions of each other in different conferences. Um, two teams that were, were, were kind of the fun, like bright stories of, of the East and West last year. Uh, maybe maybe the Knicks got a little bit more hate just because of uh, uh, extra extracurricular stuff and, and and the markets that two teams are in and and the Kings I think were generally beloved last season which is which is awesome because I I grew up on those those Peja uh, Chris Weber teams and I'm I'm a fan as well um, but anyways that being said um, ton of continuity coming back a lot of success last year and and it's kind of an open question for both these teams like can they repeat that can they build on that or, or was it just catching lightning in a bottle and they're both going to come back to earth? How, how do you feel about the Kings heading into next season? I think you hit the nail on the head. I think these two teams are so comparable in so many ways. Now, ultimately what both these teams are trying to do is one establish themselves as last year wasn't a fluke and two take the next step into what Monty McNair Kings general manager calls like opening a championship window. Like ultimately, I don't do these teams have to compete for a championship next year or it's a failure? Absolutely not. Like, mm -hmm. especially some of the other teams that are in our respective conferences, like you have the Phoenix Suns in the West that are literally built to win a championship and that's it. You still have in the East the Milwaukee Bucks to contend with. The 76ers are trying to figure themselves out, but they have the reigning MVP. I mean, there are a lot of good teams at the top of both conferences that maybe that window is cracked, but it's just not quite open enough yet for these two teams. But when some of those teams drop, start to drop off, I think both franchises should expect that they're the ones that are taking that spot, that they're the, one that are, the ones that are moving into that conversation. And what we're setting up, Gavin, in reality, which we can try and speak into existence here, is we're setting up two teams that two years from now are pop, possibly hoping to meet each other in an NBA Finals. And if that were the case, like I think the Sacramento Kings have an overall better roster. I think they have overall better depth. I think they fit more with each other. Um, they have less playoff experience than guys do in New York. And as we know, playoff experience matters a lot. And, and I think a lot of us in Sacramento are banking on the fact that now the Kings finally have a seven-game series under their belt. They can learn from that and grow from that. Plus, like this core has only been together now for still less than a calendar year. So what can they look like with with a couple more years under their belt? Uh, and I'm sure there, there are some um, guys in New York that you're hoping to see their relationships blossom too as, as they get more comfortable with one another. But I think right now, like if you're if you're looking at the next generation of exciting potential championship contenders. I think a lot of people think next generation and they look at the Victor Wimbanyamas and they look at like the, the really, really young players. Those guys might be like two generations away because the Kings and Knicks are in that position where they're good now, 
they're hopefully great tomorrow. And when their opportunity comes, they're going to be in a position to make a swing. And at, at that point, that's really all you can ask for, right? Just make that swing, put yourself in a position to truly contend. Only one team can win every year. And it's really hard to do that. So if you don't end up accomplishing that sure it's disappointing but sure put yourself in a true position to compete i think both these teams are setting themselves up nicely for that yeah i, th- I think it's fascinating in terms of like if, if you're and, and again we can we can we can do this later in the offseason matt like w- which team has a better future because i would i think i'd push back on on your depth point only because um i would still argue even though he didn't win the award emmanuel quickly and he didn't play like in the postseason but emmanuel quickly is probably the best bench player in the nba put up all-star numbers when he got an opportunity to start last year uh, the Knicks played at a 57-win pace after getting Josh Hart. He's back. He made an incredible impact as a Hardenstein, made a big leap down the stretch, and RJ Barrett does pretty well when he gets to play with the bench unit. But I think quickly success is kind of at the heart of like where the Knicks ceiling is at with this current team, and that he's their third best player, like could quickly develop, uh, no pun intended, into their second best player. And yet you have a log jam between him and Jalen Brunson and, and seemingly a hesitancy to play those two guys together. And instead you kind of move down the rung if you're the Knicks and you look at someone like Quentin Grimes to make a big leap, which I think he's capable of, but I don't know if either, or I think, I think quickly does, but I don't know if Grimes is quite the ceiling of someone like a Keegan Murray, who, if you're looking at Sacramento and you're saying what has to happen for them to be a championship contender in two years, I would say like, well, Keegan Murray's turned into an all-star or a near all-star and they have a true three headed monster. And that's enough to get through the West. Maybe, um, I don't know if you want to make a final point on that, or maybe that's a conversation for another day, but I think the Knicks maybe um, just because of their fit are a star acquisition away from truly ascending to that level um, debatably. And I think the Kings could argue that they have the recipe in place. Again, I have some questions about Fox's shooting, Sabonis being your main rim protector, but the guys are there. If Murray is truly on that trajectory that you could make it to the finals in two years. No, uh, to wrap up, I, I, again, I think you're spot on. Like, I, I truly think you're spot on. Like the, the Knicks still maybe need to make a big move. The Kings would always keep their mind open to a big move and could always probably improve either their starting shooting guard spot or their starting small forward spot. But they believe they already have their big three here with Keegan Murray being that third. And he still has to develop to show that, of course. But like you brought up a great point with quickly, like it's, it's the, the comparisons with this team are ridiculous from the, the, the quickly, and Malik Monk standpoint, yeah. it's like maybe quickly is the ultimately the better bench player between those two. But Malik Monk is so essential to the Sacramento Kings team and what he does. And he's under a great contract and the Kings are going to have to worry about paying him at the end of this upcoming season. So like what's good, I, I haven't, haven't looked at the contract situations of the Knicks. So you can fill me in on this. But from the Sacramento perspective, what's good is with the exception of Monk, this entire core is basically under contract. In fact, you have under contract a minimum three years of the starting five being together. So the continuity is there. It's just now, can the, the true success come with it? And can you develop into a championship contender that can then turn into maybe a potential dynasty? Like that's best case scenario. And it takes a lot to go right in order for the Kings to accomplish that. But I think the Kings and Knicks are in very similar boats in a lot of ways. The Kings do also play in the West, which historically is the better, more difficult conference. But I also say the top of the Eastern conference is as good as it gets. And to get there, you have to be damn good, even if you're not in the Western conference. So sometimes I think that is overused by people in the Western conference. I'll just say this, like, I think it's it's a good time to be a fan of both of those teams. And I think like every single year I have, I pick an Eastern conference team, right. To root for and to follow um, 
and it changes every single year. I think the Knicks might be the pick this year for me. Wow. And I think for the New York Knicks fans, I think the Sacramento Kings should be the picks for them for their Western Conference team because these teams are expected to be amongst the most fun to watch with the highest upside. Not a lot on the line. Like there's there are so many teams that have to succeed this year or it just all falls apart. The Kings and Knicks are not in that position. So you can enjoy this upcoming season where there are expectations and these two teams have to get better and want to get better. But there's a window for them to be good for a long time. And that's exciting. Yeah, there's been some Twitter angst between the two fan bases at points, but I'm, I'm with you. I mean, there's two teams that were honestly like the respective laughing stocks of their conference for about 20 years running. And sure, the, the Knicks had one really good season in that stretch. And and the Kings like just had like their ascension recently but pretty distinct parallels there and the fact that like if we look back even even as recently as a year ago and said we'd be doing this podcast we'd both be feeling pretty good so we'll, we'll leave it to the fans this side De'Aaron Fox versus Jalen Brunson Julius Randle versus DeMontis Sabonis but we can all take some solace in that the Knicks and Kings are in fantastic places easy to root for sustainably built I sound like I'm pitching like a small like organic farm right now but um <laughs> it's really really exciting stuff going forward I'm Matt before I, I let you go um just for just for the Knicks fans listening can you uh, let everyone know where they can find uh, all your great work if, if Knicks fans do want to adapt the Kings as or adopt the Kings as, as their team of choice well come on over anytime even if you uh are not adopting the Kings and you're just trying to preview a Kings versus Knicks uh, game the two times they meet and hopefully one of them is a national TV game next season. But like what I, one of the things I always say is always listen to people and, and to the other side, cause you'll learn a lot from the other side and how they perceive your side. Sometimes they might be wrong. I'm sure I'm going to say things that Knicks fans are going to go. You have no idea what the hell you're talking about, but that's the Sacramento perspective on what the team on the other side of the country is doing and vice versa. So uh, I would encourage you to come on over. We have fun on locked on Kings, just like I know you guys have Gavin and Alex on locked on Knicks. Um, and we're enjoying the ride. Like last year for both of us was fun, right? It was just such vibes and excitement and look, look how much fun this is. Now this year, there's still fun, but there's expectations on top of it. So we'll both be kind of going down that river for the first time and trying to dodge the rocks in the way. But uh, ultimately, these are two very, very fun basketball teams to cover. And uh, our fan bases and us as hosts, we've been waiting a long time to be able to cover a team in a positive way. So I can't wait. Yeah, me too, Matt. Um, and, and and same deal for any Kings fans who want to check out Locked on Knicks. Same places you can find Locked on Kings. Uh, we, we welcome you over to our side on the Eastern Conference until the two, until the two teams inevitably meet in the NBA Finals. But until then, he's Matt. I'm Gavin. And we'll talk to you soon respectively on Locked on Knicks and Locked on Kings. <laughs>